0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Who is the Man of the Shroud? Listeners who have been with us for a while know that over the past 31 episodes, we have examined some very unique aspects of what is the most studied artifact in history, the Shroud of Turin. For anyone new to this podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes and listen to all of those previous episodes. This is Dr. Cheryl White, and I'm here again this week with my co-host, Father Peter Mangum. Besides the personal and academic interest that both of us have in this unique relic of the Roman Catholic Church, both of us are members of a unique organization, the American Confraternity of the Holy Shroud. This confraternity was formed under the authority of Bishop Michael Sheridan of the Diocese of Colorado Springs back in 2014, and it is the sister affiliate of the Arch Confraternity of Turin, the official curators and custodians of the Shroud since 1597. It is an incredible privilege and pleasure to be counted among this group of dedicated scholars. And I think I speak for both of us when I say that we really try to bring the best information to our listeners, that which is supported by consensus. It's why we deal with the questions that we do. This week is no exception. We are going to address a question that sometimes is posed about crucifixion how many nails or spikes were used? Where were they placed? More importantly, how do we know? The answers to these relevant historical questions can shed some further light on what we know about the image on the Shroud, since it depicts a man who appears to have been crucified in Roman fashion. And there is some significant archaeological evidence that helps us with this.
1: This topic, specific to the crucifixion, is perfect, especially on the heels of last week's Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. Today, though, is the Feast of St. Matthew, one of the twelve apostles and witnesses to the ministry, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As someone close to Jesus, as author of our first of the four canonical Gospels, St. Matthew, nevertheless, fled with most of the others following Jesus' arrest. Crucifixion, as the main method of execution in the Roman Empire for common criminals, was gruesome, frightening. And intended to be humiliating. What we know about how it was carried out is mostly due to records left by eyewitnesses, accounts in contemporary histories, and our own understanding of human anatomy, which allows us to draw some conclusions as well. We know that nails or spikes would not have been placed through the palm of the hand, for instance. Such a method cannot carry the weight of the body, and the hand would simply tear free of the nail, especially if there were any other forces of movement involved. Forensic experts believe that fixing a body to a vertical cross would require penetrating the wrist. The typical Roman nail to do this was four-sided, made of iron, and up to seven inches long. This type of spike could then also be used to affix the feet to the cross as well. The Romans were conservators of supplies, and as terrible as it may sound, we can presume these spikes were reused for multiple crucifixions. That's an important point, as you'll see soon. The Shroud of Turin shows evidence of these types of wounds. Clearly seen in the left wrist is an exit wound of a large object, fitting the description of the Roman crucifixion spike. Of course, more specifically to our purposes this week, the forensic evidence is also consistent with the feet being nailed to the cross as well. While the details of precisely how the feet were affixed is open to different medical opinions, The detail of blood on the bottom of the feet of the man of the shroud, as well as the pattern of vertical blood flow, indicates that the man of the shroud suffered a similar wound here as found in the wrist. This is where archaeology actually has a role to play in informing us a little more.
0: That's right, Father Peter. Looking at artwork, we have traditionally come to believe that one foot was placed on top of the other, and then a single spike driven through both. But there have been other methods suggested. One of the reasons we believe that Romans reused crucifixion materials is the scarcity of human remains found bearing direct evidence. But one important find near the old city of Jerusalem has shown that at least in one documented case of crucifixion, the procedure might have involved the feet being nailed through the side, near the heel, with two long spikes. Whichever method was used, the pain would have been excruciating, and as we've pointed out here before, that term, excruciating, literally derives from the same Latin root as crucifixion, to describe the intensity of human suffering and torture involved. But here's something interesting. Some have suggested that because of this very specific archaeological find in Jerusalem in 1968, the man of the shroud might have actually not suffered from crucifixion at all, or at least as understood by the evidence discovered. A skeletal heel bone with a seven-inch-long spike driven sideways through it, not through the top of the foot, was found in a first-century tomb near the Old City. The heel belonged to a man who had been the victim of crucifixion, but clearly not in the manner we understand through artistic depictions. This method would have required four spikes, two for the hands and two for the feet. Critics were quick to say that this find somehow proved that the man of the shroud was not really crucified, according to ancient Roman methods. Because the feet of the man of the shroud are not fully visible on the cloth, forensic experts studied the blood flow patterns and have said that actually either method of driving a spike was equally plausible.
1: Don't forget the other important observation that can be made with regard to the 1968 archaeological find, these remains, identified as belonging to the first century Jew named Yehokanan, seem to prove that Romans did in fact permit the proper burial of condemned criminals. This answers critics who have suggested that Roman custom would have never allowed Jesus to have been buried according to Jewish customs, therefore complicating the idea of a resurrection. Although it is a single archaeological find, clearly the evidence supports both a variation of actual crucifixion methods and a practice of permitting the burial of those who had been crucified. Of course, sacred scripture itself prophesies that not a bone of his body shall be broken. It is indeed possible that Roman spikes be hammered through the feet in such a way as not to break a single bone. Same with nails through his wrists, struck right through the median nerve without hitting metacarpals which would have sent shock waves of pain throughout his body. All of this is actually very important information that contributes much to our knowledge of the Man of the Shroud. Next week, Dr. White and I have something exciting to talk about as we prepare for the approaching 40th anniversary of the Shroud of Turin Research Project and all the great events we have scheduled here at the Cathedral of St. John Berkman's we want to follow up with our listeners about some of the work that is coming forth from our recent research in the Vatican Secret Archives, specifically related to some 13th century documents we examined. In the reading of papal letters, we have seen just how much historical context and linguistic context matters, and we have identified some evidence that may point to direct knowledge of the Shroud of Turin. You won't want to miss that, so be sure to tune in next time. We have patiently waited for this time to tell you what we have discovered. St. Matthew, the tax collector turned apostle, writes in his gospel about that which he knew, that Pilate did not want Jesus crucified and so instead had him scourged, a sentence intended to be in place of crucifixion. People did not receive both sentences, Matthew also speaks of soldiers weaving a crown out of thorns, which was not a Roman practice and indeed is the first time in all of human history that this unbelievably painful act was performed, simply because the soldiers figured the one who claimed to be a king needed a crown. Matthew's account coincides perfectly with what is evident on the shroud that once wrapped the body of a scourged, crucified, crowned with thorns, man in Jerusalem. To conclude his gospel, St. Matthew quotes the words of the risen Jesus that he addressed to his disciples who worshipped him, And behold, I am with you always, until the end of the age. With this assurance of our Lord, May the same Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine upon you and show you his mercy. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Who is the Man of the Shroud?